Inside Edge. Your home for Blue Jackets news and conversation. Sponsored by Honda Marysville and Mumu Express Car Wash. Proud partner of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McGilligan and Jody Shelley. Welcome to the Inside Edge, which is presented by Honda Marysville. I'm Bob McGilligan, alongside of Jody Shelley here on 97.1 The Fan. And the Blue Jackets got a much-needed win last night at Nationwide Arena. They had just come off a road trip where they had struggled. They picked up only one of a possible eight points on their road trip. And they came back home playing the Detroit Red Wings, needing a win. And what might be the most important thing of all is for the first time this season, there were fans in the building. Yes, it was only 10%. It was only 1,953. Do you think those nine or those 1,953 made a difference? Well, let's ask the players. Cam Atkinson, Zach Wierenski, Boone Jenner, and John Tortorella will all tell you if the, if it made a difference or not. Yeah, I think, you know, it was huge. It gave us so much momentum and energy. Um, you know, I, I wasn't sure at first in warm-ups just because you don't know how many people 2,000 or just a little bit less actually is in a big stadium. But when we came out for the start of the game, I was pleasantly shocked. Um, you know, so that was, uh, that was a huge boost for us. Uh, and I think we showed it. And... You know, it's uh, it's great to have our fans back in the in the building. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Me and Savvy were talking about it in the second period. Um, you know, even two thousand people, it feels incredible to have fans back. Um, can only imagine what a sold out building will feel like again. So, uh, it was awesome having them in there tonight. I think it gave us some juice, um, and they were loud. You know, we could hear them. It was it was a lot of fun. I mean, the fans definitely helped us, and um, you know, going in, we knew that we knew that. Uh, talked about it as a team of. Just letting ourselves play, make some plays out there, um, you know, just kind of read off each other that way and uh, let it flow. So um, I thought obviously we did a better job of that tonight and uh, you get to execute, execute some more plays and uh, create more that way, I think. They like playing in front of people. It doesn't matter if it's 10 people or 10,000 or whatever it is. They, they like playing in front of people, so I'm, I'm sure it helped. It was just nice to hear some noise before the puck was dropped and I think they started chanting. So. Uh, I'm happy for them, you know, with all the, all the crap going on and people kind of locked out and stuck. Um, it's nice. To, I'm happy for them that they get to come out and see, and I'm glad we, we won a hockey, hockey game. And, Jody, the, the story, of course, for the Blue Jackets is the win, but, you know, this story is pretty big in and of itself because it's been about a year since people were allowed to come into Nationwide Arena and watch games, and it did make a difference last night. You and I talked about it after the game. Just knowing that there were people there to watch, knowing there were ushers in the stands, knowing that there were concessions workers that were making food that you could smell, by the way, and it felt real once again. I think it was big for everybody. You know what, Bob? I couldn't agree with you more. And I was the level of excitement walking into the building. I wasn't ready for it. I, I, I got out of my car. I swiped my pass. I got inside and the ushers were excited. The carts were being pushed around to to get the food ready. You could smell the popcorn. Uh, there were, it was like, as I walked down the hallway to get to the, the TV booth, I could, it, it felt like opening day. It really did. It, I mean, the sun was out. It's a beautiful time right now in Columbus, Ohio. And then the next thing was when they opened the doors at six o'clock, I could hear voices screaming with excitement. They were yelling at each other around the building. Um, the fans were coming up to our booths and waving at us. And so for us, uh, that was exciting. But the most anticipated part for me was to see and warm up, to, to, to hear that little jingle as they walk out from the locker room, 
to see the fans in appreciation, but more importantly, how the players took the ice and warm up. It felt different. The lights seemed brighter. The ice seemed wider. The players seemed to have more jump. Everything was just, it had more pop and it felt, uh, it, it almost took me over in a, in a sense of when the puck dropped and you could see the players playing a different, just a different game. Uh, couldn't have been a better time. You know, there was a lot that's been said, a lot that's been done, uh, some honest conversations, even to us, some of the stuff they revealed to us, the players and, and John Tortorella, even Yarmo, you know, it, it, uh, it just showed you honestly what they were dealing with. And I felt like there was something missing that they didn't know what it was. And I think we know what it is now. It's the eyeballs on you as a professional athlete. I need, it, it just, I know that if, you know, uh, I can see the, the fans wearing their jerseys, uh, being genuinely excited to be there, proud of, uh, proud of uh, the players on the ice. And then, you know, maybe the guys are booing. They're booing at the ref. There's a genuine feel inside the building, uh, not the pumped-in crowd noise, which made it even faker. Uh, it was real raw emotion. And, uh, boy, did they put on a good show last night. You mentioned the officials. I at, at one point, the first booing of a referee last night, I said it on the air. I said, you know what? That's the first time I've heard a ref get booed all year. And boy, does it sound good. And it's, you know, it's just, it's what you expect. It's what you would normally get. And you're right. That, that fake crowd noise. I think, look, I didn't like it, but it just kind of becomes uh, what you're accustomed to. Like I, I can hear it. I, I don't listen to it, but I hear it in the background, but I don't put any, uh, any stock in it because it means nothing last night no. meant something no it was it's fabricated oohs and ahs and i just think that the, the 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 real part of being a fan is being connected with the game and riding the emotions and there was a couple shots last night that sailed wide and it was they were on it they were just like oh you know that that was great chance and cheers so uh, you know, they played the good old hockey game. The fans were excited to stand up and, and do that. Uh, they put fans on camera inside the screen. You could see the, the players were looking around. I mean, they were like, wow, they're making more noise, as you heard from those great sound clips from the players after. Um, that's what it was all about last night. And, and I said in our post game, uh, that's a cliche and people overuse it. But for me last night, when you are an athlete and you uh, hear the athletes speak after, the appreciation was something that uh, it, it's a moment that uh, we've been waiting for. And, and boy, it, it was not disappointing. It was, it was exciting. Well, you talked about warmups and you know, they had Cam Atkinson on the scoreboard during warmups. And I noticed how he was laughing and yucking it up with guys. And, and I'm sure that happens a lot, but I did wonder last night, are they more loose because of these people? And I think the question got answered when the Blue Jackets were shorthanded and Cam got the puck on his stick really for the first time and went down the ice in the two-on-one and just blasted a shot uh, right by Jonathan Bernier and gave the Blue Jackets a one-to-nothing lead. Yeah, he was feeling good. He was feeling excited. And he's the one guy of, of all the troubles this team has. He's the one guy that is continuing to get the bounces. You know, we've talked about him over the years, how streaky he can be. He's still on a hot streak. Ten goals, uh, four shorthanded, leads the National Hockey League. Uh, if you were going to write the script for welcoming welcoming the fans back to Nationwide Arena, Cam Atkinson smiling and pointing at the fans after scoring a goal, you know, a, a, a two-on-one where he anticipates and jumps on the puck, 
that's one of those images I hope goes down in Blue Jackets uh, history. And, and because, you know, it, it's uh, there's something special about being a player in Columbus, Ohio. It's a sports town. It's a, it's a tremendous city to live in. But when you're part of the community like Cam Atkinson, Nick Foligno, who have been there a long time, they're, they're members of uh, their suburbs of Columbus, Ohio. Um, you know what? You understand what the city's about. And you could tell when Cam scored that goal, uh, it wasn't for him. It was for the fans and the Blue Jackets organization. It was, it was, there was a lot to it. So uh, what a moment. And, you, and you're right. He has been a bright spot. He has been someone who's, who's worked to get the bounces. And, um, you know, he's a guy too. When he's feeling good and, and he's in those post-game interviews with life and energy, uh, we all feel good about it. So good for Cam, and I love the way that was scripted. Well done. Well, the game really turned in the second period, and a lot of Blue Jackets games have turned in the second period this year, not in the best possible way. They've struggled in the middle frame of games, but last night uh, they didn't struggle. They had three goals. Actually, they had four goals. One of them was called back and taken off the board, but – They found something in the second period of that game. And Jody, I'm hoping that that 20 minutes is something that they can now look at tomorrow when they get to Dallas and say, all right, the things we did well, remember how we played that period. Let's just start it like that. And let's finish it like that, because that's, that's one of the better complete periods that they've played throughout the course of the year. Yeah. And I loved your point there saying, you know, you come home for one game against Detroit. It could be the perfect thing before you head out to Dallas. You said that before the game and, uh, you know, that's a great point. I mean, this team comes home, addresses everything, and then goes out and does that in the second period, gets the win. You know, Riley Nash is a veteran guy. Uh, but I look to Atkinson, Jenner, Felino. When you're in a locker room, Bob, and I've been in a locker room where you're just kind of looking around at each other, wondering, you know, kind of like, who's going to grab this? <laughs> who's going to be the person? Uh, what do we do? Uh, especially with new players in the locker room. You know, they don't know what it's like here. They don't know what it's like. Uh, especially now with what's going on what it's like to be out in public in this community and be recognized and how much the fans appreciate these guys. It's, it's not there right now because they're, they're stuck. And for you got to look to the leaders and the guys that have been here that know how to play Blue Jackets hockey. They rose last night. Boone Jenner shot. Uh, Cam Atkinson scoring we talked about. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's, it's critical that that second period is one that they needed to feel good about themselves. And that's one thing John Tortorella does so well. He knows what the group needs. He knows how close they are. He's very honest with what kind of team he has and how they have to play. And he said it going into the game. They just want something good to happen. We've heard that every single year from at at certain times. He said that exact same quote. And last night in the second period is something good that happened. And now you're right. They need to put that in the bag, put it on the bottom of the plane and take it with them to Dallas. And something else I thought was important last night, and tell me if you agree, we've talked so many times about Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski having their struggles this year, and Zach's been hurt a couple of times. Uh, But I thought last night those guys kind of found their game. Jones would have had the goal that got waved off, and it was after a great play at the blue line where he almost did hold the puck inside of the zone. But Zach was on every rush, it seemed like, last night. Every time he was on the ice, he was – Back defensively, he was up offensively. Uh, I mean, it, that was a Zach Wierenski of old, what we saw last night. Well, when Zach Wierenski sees the Detroit Red Wings symbol, and you think of athletes that are going through struggles, that's his childhood, you know? Like, that's uh, – you're looking for some, some uh, energy, some juice, they call it. Well, you got the fans last night, 
you got Zach Wierenski playing against the Detroit Red Wings, and he just played. And when he tried to put the puck between the leg, his legs there, uh, when he ran out of space on the back post, I thought, okay, now he's not thinking. And that's a good thing because that's a reaction play where he, he's really got no options. So he slips the stick back between his legs, just chips it over the far post over Bernier's shoulder. Uh, but it just showed there was a looseness and a, and a not overthinking it. I think Zach is so cerebral. Uh, he breaks down the offensive zone, has certain shots for certain areas. Uh, that might have gotten his way a little bit. He wasn't even getting in those areas. But last night, too, on the Boone Jenner goal, you know, he ran out of space. He stuck with it. And then he, he sees the option and slides it over to Boone Jenner. You don't plan that up. You don't think of it. But he took the ice that was given. He just reacted. But uh, go back to my point. Detroit and fans, that was a good thing for uh, Zach Wierenski. Yeah, I think on that play, not only did he take the ice that was given, but I loved his patience on it because once he recognized that he could make that play, I think he waited just long enough to draw more guys into him so Boone would have uh, pretty much his pick of whatever he wanted to shoot at. Yeah, he had – well, he had to stick with it. And that's – you know, you call it patience exactly, but he, he stayed on the puck. He didn't wait to get hit. He spun out of it, and that's right, drew more attention. So – and what a shot by Boone. That was, that was excellent. Yeah, and Boone now quietly is up to seven goals on the season. And uh, he was one of the guys that you talked about going into the season, about needing to have somewhat of a resurgence, maybe is the wrong word here, but needing to be a leader and lead by example when it comes to scoring. And he's done that this year. Yeah, he looked quicker too last night. And I think Boone is understanding, and it happens in every single person's career. You come in, you adapt, you play your game, you figure out your role, you settle in. But then you work on things like speed, getting lighter, getting quicker. You know, you, you, you have to always evolve. And I think Boone Jenner has done that. He still has the attitude that we uh, appreciate and, and love about him, uh, that he brings every single game. But he's evolving in a good way. He's very understandable uh, with, with what he is in the, in the system. But he's a utility guy when it comes to faceoffs. But he's also got a great shot. And I think him and Riley Nash quietly have uh, sneaky, really good shots. Yeah, it's funny, Riley Nash, and I'm glad you brought his name up again because I would have forgotten, and I shouldn't. Uh, when John Tortorella talked to me before the game against Detroit, he was alluding back to the previous Nashville game, and he said, Riley Nash was probably our best centerman, and no offense to Riley Nash, but that just cannot happen right. because he's playing fourth-line center. But Riley Nash went out there last night, and once again, he's one of the best players in the game. Yeah, and, and you know, Riley Nash wouldn't be offended by those comments by the coach. I was lucky enough to have the same comments about me, and you're like, yeah, I get it, but thanks for the recognition. But uh, I know we have better players that are supposed to be doing this. Uh, but Riley Nash wants more responsibility. He's a smart guy. He's a guy that's uh, been around the National Hockey League for a while now. He had to figure it out with John Tortorella. Wasn't killing penalties. Wasn't taking critical faceoffs. Had to learn it and earn it, and after he's done that, uh, he's become a reliable guy. And that's all you want as an athlete. You want to be counted on in some, in some of the big situations and the big moments. Uh, and then, you know, it's great to see him when he does get that opportunity uh, and earning that trust and that ice time to put it away like he did. I just, uh, I just love it. It seems like all of his goals are top shelf, and, and that's, uh, <laughs> that's not bad. No, that's not bad at all. And I heard you talking to him about that during the intermission last night. And, and he was, uh, he was very good natured about it. And yeah, he, he, was. Tried to, he tried to go top shelf on the, the next shot that he took on net too. That's right. Every shot top shelf. And I think Thomas Christ uh, had the, uh, 
had the read on him, had the, had the playbook on him because he had that glove up there early. <laughs> yeah, he sure did. So it was a great win for the Blue Jackets, 4-1. to one. They beat the Red Wings. The schedule gets much tougher on paper now, and the Blue Jackets have to hit the road to travel to Dallas for the next two games. Well, the good news is the win. The bad news is what we alluded to a little bit earlier. This stretch in the last couple of weeks has not been all that good for the Blue Jackets. And yesterday, General Manager Yarmo Kekalainen addressed all of that with the media. Uh, we'll play some of his comments for you and talk about that aspect of where this franchise is as the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville continues here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville here on 97.1 The Fan. Blue Jackets with a big win last night, beating Detroit 4-1. to They get set to hit the road and take on Dallas in the first of two games starting tomorrow night. But Jody, going into the game last night, there were a lot of questions. There was a lot of concern about the Blue Jackets, uh, where they were, what was going on with the team. It has underperformed. Nobody is going to deny that. Uh, going into the season, they thought they had a really good thing. And it is uh, it has not lived up to expectations. There are many reasons for that. But yesterday, Yarmo Kekalainen uh, got in front of the media and decided to uh, to address it and just talk about it because that's what the Blue Jackets organization does. Once it gets to a point, they step forward, they address it. And here's what Yarmo had to say about the state of his team. I think every every year the team is, is a bit different. You have some some new players. You have some players that have uh, exited and and. Uh, the uh, the team needs to adjust, and it's no different this year. But hockey is still the same, and and uh, I don't think our, our biggest problem is is um, is uh, in the area where our strengths have been before, being being a relentless, hardworking, uh, hard team to play against. Uh, the, the, those are not the biggest issues we we've had so far this year it hasn't been for lack of hard work or anything like that. We, that we haven't had success. Uh, I think our biggest, biggest concern right now is that, that we need to uh, have the courage to just play the game and, and enjoy it and, and, and have the puck. We, we um, you know, we, we give up on the puck too easily. We, uh, we played safe, if you want to call it that rather than, um, than, than going for it. And I've talked about this many times now that, that, we all started playing hockey because we wanted to have the puck and, and, and I don't think we want the puck enough. And when, once we get it, we don't want to keep it enough. And that, that leads to the uh, puck possession of the other team. And, and now, now you're uh, stuck defending rather than, than, you know, having the puck, which is the best defense you can have is, is having the puck in the uh, other team's end. And we haven't had it there nearly enough this year. And, and uh, that's, that's, probably one of the reasons that has led to our our problems this coaching staff has um, got us out of the the uh, slumps before they've done a great job for us in in the past uh, five six years that they've been here and they they are the ones that are going to get out of this jam um, as well with with the team that we have and and um, we've seen some glimpses of it nearly not enough this year um, inconsistency has been been maddening to, to all of us and but we win as a team we lose as a team we we uh slump as a team if you want to call it that and we rise out of it as a team and and um that's what we're going to start doing here 
Well, Jody, ironically, and there you just heard the vote of confidence for the coaching staff. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But ironically, he was talking about the team looking like they didn't want to have the puck and they needed to be more relaxed. And I think that's what that second period was all about. When you look at the first period last night, the shots were even. Uh, it was a 1-1 game. Each team had scored a special teams goal. But in the second period, those things that Yarmo talked about right there, uh, having the puck, being in the other team's end a lot more, having fun with it, that's when that all seemed to come together. So he was almost prophetic talking about that yesterday prior to the game. They went out and did it in the game. Yeah, and, you know, that was obviously they, – they felt good about their first period, I thought, Bob. You know, it, was, it wasn't great, but I think they were – you know, when you get back with the fans, you could, they, you could sense the confidence they were getting. You could sense that there were, they were leaders that were skating a little bit freer, a little harder, it looked like, and – uh, they carried that into the second period. Yeah, that that whole sequence that Yarmo talked about about not wanting the puck. I mean, that simply confidence, uh, trying overdoing things, trying to do too much. I mean, there there's a uh, there is a real that is a real thing when you're trying to overdo things. When things aren't going well, you take the extra move at the blue line, or you, you stick handle too much, or you try to force a pass. Uh, there was still some of that last night. But uh, at the end of the day, the big moments by the leadership of this team, uh, that's where that were, was where the key to success was. So, you know, those things are still there. There's still a lot to iron out. But when you look at the positives, it was exactly what they needed to happen. Uh, a comfortable lead to play with, uh, to be able to not let doubt or one big play set you back on your heels and say, here we go again. Uh, it, it was it was a really feel good night. So uh, the comments that Yarmo had, I really appreciated uh, his candor, how how honest he was about his team. I mean, not I don't know if a lot of people would say things like you know not wanting to have the puck, those details of what he sees, but it was a real thing. The real issues were addressed. Uh, I think it's good leadership when you do do that, and your players can relax off of that. And and you know, there's no real secrets. It's like you know, this is what we're dealing with. Uh, this is what we're trying to get through. And then, you know, when it happens in that second period and we can talk about it the day after, uh, I think you feel better about the whole thing. Well, and also you talk about the honesty. Uh, he got honest uh, even further when it comes to John Tortorella specifically because he was asked about that, uh, you know, the, the phrase that is used here, do the players need a new voice? Right. Uh, he was asked, do you feel as you're around the team, you say you're around the team and you have a good feel of, of what they are and what's going on. Do you feel that uh, the voice is wearing on the team? And this is what he had to say. No, I don't, I haven't. And, and, and I'm, I'm around every day and, and, and I have my antennas up and, and the one thing I know that they all have a tremendous amount of respect for him as a coach. Uh, most of the guys that, that I've talked to in the past and, and, you know, enjoy playing for him and, and really, really uh, love him and respect him as a coach. And and I haven't seen or heard anything that would have changed that. Um, but you know, when when we go through struggles, we go through struggles together. It's it's not just the players, the coaches, or or, or you know, everybody's unhappy. So you, I, I just want everybody to know that we're we're uh, all trying to figure out ways to get out of this we're we're not happy with the situation we're not happy with the way we played and underperformed and then we're trying to stay positive and find ways to uh, to get out of it and 
And best way to get out of it is having some success. And then I'm not even talking about winning. I'm just talking about little areas of the game where we start playing like, like we have in the past and have some puck possession and, and enjoy the game. And, and um, you know, it starts from that individual level where, where some players will get success on the, uh, on individual level and it spreads around the team. You know, we've had some, some guy like Cam Atkinson's been pretty hot lately and, and he is one of the few guys that seems to be enjoying the game because he's having success. Now we, we need that to spread around the team and, and, and collectively snap out of it and, and start, start putting some wins into the, into the column too. But, but um, I think the, the recipe is pretty simple right now. Let's just, let's just go out and, and play the way the hockey is supposed to be played. And when it comes to John Tortorella and Yarmo Kekalainen, I think if you were just a person on the outside and you were to see these two guys talk separately, you might wonder how do these two people coexist? Because one seems like he is so calm and in control of everything. And the other one seems like he can just go wild at any second and and lose it. And, and really both of those things are untrue (laughs) because, well, Yarmo is calm and cool, but, there is that very competitive spirit that he has that builds up inside him. He just doesn't uh, let it out in the open the way John Tortorella does. And John Tortorella, even though he can be wild at times, uh, again, it's that competitiveness that drives him. That's what they have the most in common, these two guys. Uh, I think it's that, and I think it is real respect for one another. And I, I know in sports that GMs and owners, they come out and they give these votes of confidence, and that usually means, well, this guy's dead in the water. Like the next, the, the next mistake that happens, I don't care what they said. He's out. I, I never feel like that with these guys because I think they're so honest and they're so true and they're so competitive that, that they do. They just, they talk about it. John Tortorella says about Yarmo Kekalainen. We have some real arguments about players and the way he sees them and the way that I see them. But at the end of the day, we come together and we work as a group. That's what I love about these guys. Yeah, and you know how they would operate. I mean, you're very familiar with John Tortorella. He's in front of the microphone every day. So, you know, there's more room to see and, and agitate him in front of the cameras and in front of the the microphones. But w- with Yarmo, you're right. He's competitive. He wants to win. He, he's in, in, engulfed. And he's, he's, he's just buried in this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's his job. And so this isn't ideal. This isn't how he drew up the season. But he's a guy that, you know, at there's got to be an honesty. And I like how he came out yesterday. Because if I'm a player in the room, I'm hearing all the chatter. I'm hearing all the thoughts. I'm hearing all the noise. So I need to hear from my leadership that what you may be hearing, the rumors, they're not true. It's not going to happen. So that settles you down and puts that on the back burner. And then you can move forward. You know, the elephant is in the room, no matter what you think. I mean, you can, uh, you can see it on Twitter. You can see it on the news. You can hear it from your mom and dad. You can hear it from your wife, your girlfriend, you know, it's there. So those things are need to be addressed. And I think that's a great fire to put out. You know what, but you're right. You give a photo confidence, hoping that you can settle things down and, and loosen guys up so that you can just see the team, you know, you have. And that's something that Yarmo and, and uh, John Tortorella, they're very good at understanding what they have realistically. And I think there's times when Yarmo needs to tell Torts that about a player 
that maybe he doesn't, he's not putting him in the right light. And John Tortorella has admitted to that. Uh, give this guy another opportunity. This guy needs to play with top six players. Those are conversations that John Tortorella probably wouldn't have had 20 years ago, but he's open to them. He's understanding. He respects Yarmo. So he wants to put those players that he's brought in in the position that Yarmo sees him in. So that's a very good dialogue and healthy. And then the other way, you know, Torts will have his opinion on some players. And I think there's respect from Yarmo where he says, Yarmo, I've tried it. I've, you don't, you know, there's things that have happened or there's, there's moments that I see that you have to trust me that I don't see it that way. I think he needs to go and play somewhere else right now. So that's how you have a healthy relationship. And that's one of Yarmo's and John Tortorella's. I would see, I would say John Tortorella's even more so is he's so honest and he's so on top of it. And he has expectation expectations that are so high that it's healthy for the overall team, and that is his focus, and that's both of these guys' focus, is the health of the overall team. John Tortorella has been coaching a long time. He's not going to play the games that he probably played and young coaches play. He's very direct, and that's where the Blue Jackets team and organization has benefited from the most the past six years with him being here. I don't know if you've realized it or not, but you've just broken down the NHL career of Emil Bemstrom in that summary. Yeah, well, it's true. And you know what? And put Bjorkstrand there, too. And, yeah. and if I was a young guy in the locker room like Emil Bemstrom, I would sit down with Oliver Bjorkstrand and be like, or I would move in with him. I would live with the guy and be like, just I want it to understand, you know. Because he's a genuinely nice and well-liked and guy that's, you know, you felt for a few years ago, but he's figured it out. And uh, I look at Bemstrom last night on a two-on-one. He, he overplayed. He tried, I don't know what the move was. He pulled. He tried to pull, push back. It's like, and the guy just pokes the puck away. He needs to learn that this, this is not the Swedish Elite League, and you've got to rip the puck on net, especially when pucks are going in. Use the two-on-one to give yourself a little extra space to get, to get the shot. And he'll figure it out. But right now, he's still just a little too fancy. He did get his first point of the year last night, though. There's a positive for him. He Great. did get that. Great. <laughs> well, let's talk, about the, let's talk about position because you've talked about this a lot. I've talked about this a lot. Every time people ask, what's wrong with the defense of this team? It starts in the middle. It starts in the center position. That's where the defense is lacking. Young guys trying to learn the position. The defensemen aren't able to react uh, the way that they did in the past because there are different guys playing in front of them, all that stuff. And Yarmo is very aware of the weakness his team now has down the middle of the ice. Well, it, it's a challenge because they're, they're just not available uh, via trade. So usually you have to... Uh, you have to draft one and, and develop one. And, and, and I think that we did that very well with one player and, and now he's not here. And, and now we have to uh, get back into, uh, into our hunt, finding, finding a centerman either through a draft or, or a trade. But again, they're, they're not available very often. And there could be some available in the, in the free agent market next summer. But, um, you know, I, I can assure you that we understand the, the importance of the center ice position. And, and, um, and that's why we did a lot of the, uh, the different moves that, that we tried to do in the offseason to strengthen that position and hasn't exactly gone as planned. I, I, I can, I can uh, assure you, but, um, but we'll, keep, uh, we'll keep searching and, and doing our job and, and building the team. And, and uh, you know, I believe in, 
in good having good goaltending, having having a strong defense. It starts from there, and then then go through center ice. And and um, you know, uh, I I think we have some very good potential center icemen growing into uh, into into that role within our team. And and uh, but we're also going to look for ways to uh, to strengthen that position from outside. I imagine he's got to be really frustrated because going into the season. We all thought, and I know he thought it because he put the guys on the roster. We all thought that the center position was finally solved on this team. And now three of the four guys that were centermen on opening day are not even – two of them aren't here at all, and the other one's playing on the wing right now. Yeah, one choose to retire, and, and Miku Koivu, and, and you know with the circumstances of this year and being in a kind of a bubble all alone uh, wasn't the way he wanted to end his career. So he retired, and then – you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who uh, Yarmo wouldn't mention his name. John Tortorella did moments later in his press conference. He went right out and said it was Pierre-Luc Dubois. You know, he's a guy that they've put a lot of time and effort in, and, and uh, he's not here anymore. So it's not the ideal hand. Yeah, and you got – it's a big it's a big problem. You know, the Blue Jackets and five-on-five goals against, I think they're the bottom of the league. And that's that's a big stat, and, and that's not how they play the game. And uh, it has to do with – predictability in front of your goaltender. And I look at time, Thomas Grice last night. He's got one win in 13 games with the uh, Detroit Red Wings or 12 games. And he played for the most predictable organization before that in the New York Islanders. Okay. Put, put yourself in those shoes. And now he's in, you know, a, a team that's in flux in, in Detroit, who's trying to retu- try to build really. And you can tell it's He's not sure what's going on. And, and when I look at Corpus Allo, he's doing a great job. But the predictability in front of him, it's a little bit different. Guys are a little closer to him in front of that blue paint. Uh, there seems to be plays happening out in front of him where players can't find the puck. And I think it's the consistency of the center iceman being in the right position and the forwards on the walls making the plays, the simple plays to get the puck out of the zone. You combine that plus losing faceoffs, and you spend more time in your defensive zone, which puts pressure on everything. And I think this team has always been great at defending to jump to offense, and it's not there. It's defend, and then let's go to offense. It's too slow, uh, and that has to do with the hesitation and the trust with forwards and D. So center right position, you're right, Bob. It's key. Uh, it, it's, it, it, it helps cover up a lot of things uh, defensively, and, and when you have someone that can carry the puck and skate it out of trouble, especially a center iceman, uh, it's, it's key, and, and they don't have it right now. They're working on it. A work in progress, we'll call it, but it's something that, again, uh, it's something that you you need one horse in the middle. Right now, they don't have it. Yeah, once again, my favorite Reg Dunlop quote from uh, Slapshot, <clears throat> when the guy goes, hey, Reg, you got to get that power play going. Yeah, yeah, we're working on it. That, that's yeah. the only answer. <laughs> that's the only answer to the center <laughs> position for the Blue Jackets right now. All right, I uh, got to take a break. Come back and uh, bring you more of the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge, presented by Honda Marysville here on 97.1 The Fan. Tomorrow, the Blue Jackets open a two-game series in Dallas against the Stars. Jody, right before we went to break, I mentioned Slapshot. And, you know, last week was the anniversary of Slapshot being released in 1977. And I bring it up because you and I lived Slapshot for a couple yeah. of years, literally, in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, which was Charlestown in uh, the movie – 
And there was not much. Look, we were there in the late 90s, and not much had changed since the late 70s, except the steel mill actually was closed. Yeah, it was. And the dog was there in the park, and the organ where the, the organist gets hit with a puck, it was still up in the rafters. The War Memorial, uh, a great barn in the East Coast Hockey League. We were the Chiefs, and uh, we actually had the Hanson brothers back for a New Year's Eve game. I think it was their first time back since the movie was shot, if I recall correctly. And we had guys, uh, some great prospects in the Calgary Flames organization. What a time we had. I think we watched that movie every time we were on a bus trip. I said, I tell people all the time, um, the rule was if you lived in Johnstown, if you didn't know every line to the movie, they just took you right to the city limits and they, <laughs> they took your bags with you and they put them on the other side of the line. They said, don't come back. We uh, even had a Russian guy who knew all the, uh, all the lines to the movie. His favorite one, of course, was the French Canadian goalie uh, in the movie who, his line was owns yeah. owns <laughs> Danny Lemieux. Danny <laughs> Lemieux, who but, owns the Chiefs. You know, and it's funny for me because I grew up only 40 minutes outside right. of Johnstown. So, like for me, going to Johnstown was going to Johnstown until I worked for the Chiefs. And and then you watch that movie with a, a whole different attitude. But uh, that was the funniest thing to me, like going through that building. Like you said, the organ was still there. Uh, there was still the door where, um, you know, uh, Tim McCracken confronts Reg Dunlop in the hallway, yeah. right in the main concourse. The stairs up to the office. They yeah. were still there. Right. You guys had to walk through the crowd to get on the ice for crying out loud. Yeah, uh, that's pretty right. Pretty much. Right. Yeah. And one of the great nights there was uh, we beat John Brophy. God rest his soul. One of the great coaches, uh, characters of, of, of hockey, really. He was coaching the Hampton Roads Admirals uh, from Virginia Beach, and we beat them in Johnstown. And he jumped out in the middle of the ice and the lined his players up against the wall and in front of our fans in Johnstown, skated them, skated them for like 15 minutes or more and then got off the ice and, and left. And, of course, our fans loved it. I remember walking back out of the locker room. We all watched and, and – I think it added fuel to the fire, but absolutely embarrassing for those players. But that's what Brof did, and our fans absolutely—they just loved it. Yeah, that was uh, that was a different time too, because I remember the year before you got there, Nick Fatia was the coach. Yeah, we we were on the road somewhere, and it was it it could have been Columbus or Dayton, but one of those nights where we got back at like three or four in the morning, and um, and he was so mad they lost so badly, he made them get the gear off the bus put it on. Of course, it was still wet from the game. Oh. Get dressed in your gear and go skate at like 4.30 in the morning. Have a practice. That's that cruel. Would, that would never happen today. <laughs> no. no. You got to uh, get some sleep. You'd stay yeah. the night and sleep and then come back the next day and skate. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no question about that. We even had a bus driver. He was The only difference between the bus driver that we had in Johnstown and the one in the movie is ours didn't actually take the sledgehammer and try to make the bus look mean. But uh, no, it was right. a, but it, but but Frank was a great character that just added to the aura of of what it was like in the East Coast Hockey League. Oh, he was awesome, and and uh, I think he would smoke up there at the front of the bus, and it was just uh, we were all it was just a full full fun bunch of characters. Yeah, bunch of characters is exactly right. So I wanted to bring that up because it was the anniversary of Slapshot nice being released yeah. in uh, 1977. So it was, uh, believe me, that's great. If you would ever go there. 
it it still exists. It's still, yeah. we lived it. We lived it uh, for a couple of years. Hey, we're going to come back and wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville here on 97.1 The Fan. Bob McElligot and Jody Shelley with you getting set to close out this week's edition of the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville. Jody, when you look around the NHL, and again, I said this a couple of weeks ago, we're used to seeing seven teams, but uh, there are a lot of other teams in this league. Uh, but when you look around, I, I see a lot of suspensions come through my email. Um, I see a lot of fights when I'm looking at games. We talked before the season even started about playing within your own division and not playing anybody else and playing everybody eight times. Would that create um, would that create a, an atmosphere for more fights? And it looks like maybe it has. What do you think? I think so. I think, uh, you know, Bob, when you have someone that just agitates you and they get the better of you with the win or a loss and you get to see them the next couple nights, it, it just it just burns you. And some of these lopsided losses we're seeing, uh, you know, Ottawa, Calgary, it's 6-1 the first game. And then it flips the other way. Calgary wins, wins the second game, 6-3. Uh, you got the Kachuk brothers in there scrapping it. They're not fighting, but, you know, they're agitators. It just gets under your skin. And now that fans are starting to come back into buildings, uh, I think you're going to feel it even more. So, uh, you know, Felino's had a couple good fights this year. He fought Borvietsky with the Nashville Predators. And you know, the Blue Jackets have seen them enough this season already. They got more, but it's like <laughs> – you know, it, it just boils over. Chicago, the Blue Jackets have already seen them six times. So, yes, absolutely. As a player, you people start to drive you crazy. And when, when the scenario is the same thing and you find yourself behind the eight ball, it's always a nice nice way to try to change momentum or, or shake off a little rust. You know, it's funny you bring up Nashville and Chicago because, uh, yeah, those games have been bunched up. The Blue Jackets have already seen each of those teams six times. They only have two games left with both of them. And uh, those games will come at Nationwide Arena. But they haven't seen Dallas. They saw them not too long ago, but there's been a break there. And now they're going to go in there. The Florida teams will be coming up on the schedule very soon. They haven't seen them in in like a month. So, uh, yeah, it's like there are these hot pockets, right, in the way the schedule is set up where all of a sudden you're getting four out of your six games with the same team. Yeah, and that'll, that'll build the animosity. But that's also a good thing. When you look at the Blue Jackets and where they're at, if they can get on a bit of a run and get in the team's head, uh, you never know what can happen. You know, they're, they're a little ways out right now. They don't like where they're sitting. You look at the games in hand. It doesn't paint a great picture. But you're going to see the same teams over and over. You're seeing team, teams you're trying to push down in Dallas who, yeah, they have games in hand, but it doesn't matter. Blue Jackets have just got to continue to take care of business as they did last night. And if they do that and, and win a couple season series here with some of these teams, the one they've only lost, I think, is Chicago. Maybe they've lost Nashville, too. But it's like, you know what? Get the points when you can. You're going to see these guys, Carolina, March, you're going to see them a lot. Uh, and, and you're not only going to get frustrated with some players individually, it's going to get heated because the points are going to get bigger. And that is what the Blue Jackets are going to be focused on. And maybe that's what they need to simplify, get some emotion in the game. Is, is these series that are going to stack up, the games are going to get bunched together, and then you're going to get more emotion, more fire, and, and just more directness to the game, and that's what they're looking for. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Chicago and Nashville losing the season series to those teams, but everybody else is still on the table. And we alluded to this, I think yesterday in the rink report it might have been, that this is a team that sometimes plays better against better competition 
We know they play well when they feel good about themselves, which they do from last night. This would be a nice time to try to string some stuff together here. I think the beginning of this season has been really strange for this team. No fans. I keep saying that, but it's a real thing. I, as a player, I really feel it in my heart that that's a big deal. Uh, the, the road travel, you know, they're, they're, they can't do anything. There's nothing they can do. They can go for walks outside. So now that the weather's changing, that's a positive. Uh, but, but to me, this team needs important teams to play against. Washington, Pittsburgh, New York, the Islanders. There's, there's excitement there when you see those jerseys. Um, you know, Chicago, they're, they're, you know, they're okay, but they've surprised people. Nashville, oh, it's kind of, you know, empty building. It's, it's, it's not exciting. Uh, Tampa got their, got their uh, antenna up. That's one team that got, got it up. But now that they see where they're at, now that they're going to play these series, now that they're gonna, the points are going to get bigger, look for things to get better. More interest in the game for them is, 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 is what I'm going to say because I just think the first part of the season, um, it was just, it's just been hard to get excited. Excitement level is going to go up. The weather's changing. It feels like playoff weather in Columbus, Ohio. These are all things that give you a bounce in your step, and that's what the Blue Jackets need. Good point. It is going to feel like playoff weather. Normally, this would be the final stretch before you go into early That's April right. and the season ends, but there's still a, still a long way to go here for the Blue Jackets. And it all starts tomorrow night in Dallas against the Stars. Puck drop at 8.30 tomorrow night. Pre-game coverage starts at 8 o'clock right here on The Fan. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Inside Edge, presented by Honda Marysville. For Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot, saying thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan.